The legal views and content expressed on the following program are provided solely for informational and entertainment purposes. They do not constitute or contain legal advice. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week, and I am joined by my co-host, Dave. How's it going, Dave? Star Wars. Oh, no, not this again. Star Wars. See any good movies lately, Dave? Star Wars. Mm. You're going to be useless. You're going to be useless on this show. You This, Ro- hap- this happened Ro- last time when you saw Force Awakens. Ro- Ro- Rogue One. Rogue One, Rogue One. I'm going to get nothing from the other side of the table from this. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to talk about music business news, stuff that affects indie artists, and all I'm going to get from my colleague is... Rogue One. Yeah. But, but I get, this affects us all, okay? Yeah. The Empire and the rebellion against it is no joke. How many times have you seen Rogue One, and you can answer by just saying the title of the movie the amount of times that you've seen the movie? Rogue One. Okay. Rogue One. Okay. Rogue One. Wow. (laughs) That's, and it just came out like a few days ago. Rogue One days ago. How many more times are you going to see it? Rogue One. Okay. Rogue One. Okay. Undecided. Oh, okay. There you go. All right. I may want to keep Metallica as my movie I've seen the most in theaters at six. Okay, I can go for a tie with Star Wars. So maybe Rogue One. Okay. All right. So now on a scale of one to ten in the num in, in, in Rogue One units, uh, how do you rate the movie? On a scale of Rogue One to Rogue <laughs> It was it was really good, man. It well, was great. I'm glad to hear it. That's great. It was I don't I'm I don't know why I'm hearing some people go like, eh, it's okay, or like even oh, the Miami Herald's film critic like lambasted or whatever. Like I said it was disappointing. Really? Yeah, that guy uh, what a schmuck. I think he went to Columbus actually, weirdly enough. Um no, it it was great, man. It was great. It has a proper amount of nostalgia, but also it's it's a darker tone film. Really? There's no cutesiness to this movie. Okay. Oh. There there's there's no let the Wookiee win, there's no I love you, I know here. It's No, this is this is a war movie. For the Star Wars universe, this is a war movie. Um, and it's really freaking good. And, oh, man, there's this towards the end, or this, like, one-minute sequence, where it's like, oh, <laughs> oh, Ryan, I want to spoil it for you because you haven't seen it yet because you're a bastard. That's true. I have not seen it yet. Actually, what movie did you see last night? Or, uh, no, Friday night? I saw Moana. You, I, I, un, unbelievable. How could you? It was a delightful romp. It, it, it brought out the child in me again. Lin-Manuel Miranda is Oh, you're lying a, through your teeth. You don't believe that. What, that, he, that, that Lin-Manuel Miranda isn't great? No, no, he's probably great, but you should have seen it before Rogue One came out. Now it, it, it exists in the universe well, of Rogue One. Oh, I'm married, Dave, so we see Disney so, movies before we see Star Wars movies. You know, I feel like Rogue One has way more to offer. You know? Yeah. It has a lot to offer. It has everything to offer. Oh, God, it's so good. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I know you have so much Rogue One analysis to provide. I want you to try 
And I know that that's going to be hard. You know, that might even be too much to ask. Can you try to try to save that analysis to the third segment, the D block, so that we can get some music business stuff in here? I am one with the force. The force is with me. All right. Uh, you can reach uh, the podcast by emailing us at breakthebusiness at gmail.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. I was at a party last night where somebody said we should also be on Google Play. That's a thing? I don't know. All right. What's, I mean, wh- wait. What do you mean be on Google Play? Apparently that's another podcasting platform that's popular with people. Who told you this? That's uh, some guy at the party, a Christmas party I was at last night with my family. Oh, I don't, I wouldn't trust a source. I mean, last time we, we went on another podcasting platform, it was Stitcher, and we got burned real bad. But, I mean, Google is a little bit bigger than Stitcher, to be no, fair. No, but no one, no one gets their podcast on Google Play. Is that true? Who does? I don't, apparently this guy does, because he was... Who? Of the, <laughs> my family members at the party. Can, can you tell me off air? Sure. Do we have a way for you dump it right now? <laughs> the point is... I want to know who this person is now. Why? Just because I, I, I want to see if is it like a good source or is it going to be like your ninety five year old great grandfather gets his podcast. I don't from think Play. you know this family member, but okay, that'd be pretty amazing. My ninety five year old grandfather. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, and yeah, so you rate, rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Right. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K A I R. Where can they follow you? At Metal Dave eighty five. There you go. Uh, you can also go to at Star Wars, uh, StarWars.com. Pretty much Google Star Wars. Um, I think Walt Disney World has a ride. I think called Star Tours. I think there's also one in Disneyland. I know for a fact I was there. They went out four times last month or two months ago. Um, what else? Gotcha. Rogue One's in theaters Come on, now. Save it for the D block. Come IMAX. on, we got new, we got a lot of music industry news to get through. This is going to be a 45 minute segment if we just let you go off on Star Wars, and you'll have nothing for the third segment. IMAX 3D was really good. Uh-huh. It really worked. So. And one of the reasons why you should get in touch with us on the podcast, whether it's on our Twitter accounts or at breakthebusiness at gmail.com, is you can send us questions, um, either music industry questions about, you know, if you have, if you're an indie artist and you want to ask some questions about your career, maybe some, you know, business questions you want to talk to us about did, that we can make yep. segments on the show, we can do that. Did, did Gareth Edwards redeem himself after Godzilla with Rogue One? You know, where does it stand up in the Pantheon as its first standalone next to the, obviously, we have the original trilogy, now Force Awakens and the prequels, I you know, or e- even also the Clone Wars, Rebels, all this sort of other stuff. How everything. is that a music business question? I don't care. You are the worst after a Star Wars movie comes out. Just the No, I think you're the worst because you haven't seen it. That's true. You are literally the worst. Is this going to be an because because this is going to be an annual tradition because I know they're make their 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 goal is to make a new Star Wars every year. Episode so, eight comes out next year, right. and so every year we're going to do this where the where the weekend <laughs> of a Star Wars movie comes out, you are going to be useless to me. So look, yes. you can also email us pop culture questions uh, if you want Dave to talk more about Star Wars. But we did get a listener question this week. There's going to be the Han Solo standalone movie. Okay, and so you're going to be useless for that one too. Yeah. Okay. So we got a we got a, a listener question. Oh, okay, cool. At uh, Steino might wrote, wrote to us, and I think this is a good one. Uh, oh, okay. What is the story behind record release dates? Why don't artists drop the music simply when it's done? You know, why is there a date behind it? Why can't they just say, oh, it's done, I've mixed it, mastered it, check it out, world? And it's a good question. But the reason why artists set a release date in the future and don't simply just drop the music when it's done is because an effective release of content depends on having a strong music launch. 
A music launch, as we've talked about on the show, it's the process of releasing content in such a way to maximize impact. And to do that, your launch has to have a long temporal component. you got to build interest in your content throughout your fan base, and that takes time. You want to communicate with your fans about throughout the content creation process. Maybe send out tweets of you in the studio or you rehearsing with your band. Um, I always love to see the, the bands that will post screenshots of their Pro Tools, you know, board and you can see like kind yeah of i think metallica is. invented that yeah metallica did yeah i, th- I think so because they've done it so i'm assuming they invented it <laughs> just agree and move on i will <laughs> fair enough. it's i'm just happy you weren't talking about rogue one just now that was actually an attempt to, for you to Ooh, interact in this music business we discussion. should talk about the run up to the rogue one release uh, that's a good question listener no, uh, wait <laughs> come on uh, <laughs> um And as you're building up to the release, you can have a countdown to your release. Let people know that it's coming. And you can even have giveaways and contests surrounding your content. Maybe you even want to have a special promotion where, you know, your VIP fan club kind of members can get early access to the content before the actual release date. But basically, all this buildup takes time. So you don't just want to finish a project and then put it out there. You want to have a ramp up where you can build interest in the project. And so setting a hard release date off in the future can help with that. If you want to learn more about the music launch process, you should check out Steve Palferman's stuff on this. We've had him on the show before. Super knowledgeable when it comes to effective music launches. Uh, He has this website, Mm musiclaunchhub.com, where you can uh, learn a lot about how to do an effective music launch. You can also listen to episode 54 of this podcast, where we interviewed Steve and talked, and he talked about the music launch yeah. process. Also, Paul Furman starts with P-A-L, like Palpatine, P-A-L. The Emperor. Don't hurt your forehead too much. Oh, uh, that last one really hurt. That was because it was a louder one. My, the audience could tell. I, do I have, like, microphone zigzag marks in my forehead now? Because that one really left a mark when I banged my head. It actually is kind of red. <laughs> That's funny. It's actually kind of red. You hurt yourself. That's funny. Okay. Anyway, so, I want you to hang in there, all right? Because I know, like, like you're, you're bursting with Star Wars talk. Because again, you are useless after seeing a Star Wars show. I see. This isn't all a matter. See, it's like Obi Wan said. It's all a matter of our point of view. I feel I'm useful. You are useless. Because this is not the Moana show. No one comes in here looking for Moana. I wasn't talking Moana. You asked me what movie I saw, and that was the end of my Moana discussion. If I wanted to talk about like the music of Moana, I could, because Lin-Manuel Miranda is a visionary, Ryan. even though all of the songs in that were like Hamilton ripoffs. It, Maybe, was, it was Polynesian Hamilton. Right. We, need, we, 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 don't, we, we don't need less Moana and Mo Rogue One. I, that, was a, that was a bad one. That was a bad one. Even for me. I'll give it to you. I'm hoping that if I placate you with that, we might keep you on track. Because this is a good story. And, 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 and here, the story I'm, I got coming up, all right? Oh, story. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Go ahead. I think I'm going to be able to kind of pull you in here. Because I have a great music industry, indie artist, record labels story. And it's about a metal band. Like a rock band. Uh-huh. And so I'm thinking this might... This might kind of pull you in, and, and and oh wait, who is it? And not talk you off of Star Wars, yeah? but you know at least kind of distract you from it slightly. It's it's about Avenged Sevenfold. <gasps> I saw them in Minneapolis before Metallica. Good, good, good. <gasps> I did not like them. No, no, this isn't gonna work <laughs> at all. All right, it's entertainment law news. Oh, oh, it's entertainment law news. So I can I can draw you in with your favorite sound clip. How could you do that? Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Whoa!
<laughs> Judge Dredd, yeah. That's a good one, right? That's a good one. Play it again, right? Play it again. Why did you judge me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. You started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Law. Oh, boy, George. Oh, boy. All right. I... All right, I, I, got, I might have to do this story yeah. quick because I think yeah. it's going to wear off and you're going to want to talk about Star Wars in about two yeah. minutes. All right, so this is an um. entertainment law. New, no, shit! Come on, stay with me. Avenge Sevenfold. Uh, you betrayed the law. Good oh, no, entertainment no, no. law news. Okay. Avenge Sevenfold. Yeah, that's right. Avenge Sevenfold is currently involved in a legal dispute with its former label, Warner Brothers. And this story is huge for all indie artists. If you are an indie artist... Follow this story. Pay attention because this is going to have huge implications. A bit of background, okay? 2003. Take yourself back there. Avenged Sevenfold signs a five-album deal with Warner Brothers. And as we've talked about on the show, a five-album deal is basically the label saying, you're going to make five albums for us. We have full control over when those albums come out, and you have no control over that. And you're not done until we get all five of our albums. Fast forward to November of last year. Uh... Avenged Sevenfold is four albums into the five-album deal, and they deliver notice to Warner Brothers saying, you know what? We're done. We're terminating this deal. We know there's an album left on it, but peace. And they were able to terminate the deal because they relied on Section 2855 of the California Labor Code. California law is important because that's where most of the record deals happen. And we've talked about, I think, this provision before. That's right. It's the de Havilland Law, named after Olivia de Havilland. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is that, does that, because I know you like the old movies. Does that actress ring a bell for you? Yes, I, I think that star in her war against the studio was good. It makes me think of something. No, 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 no. Come on. <laughs> come on. Come on. Stay with it. Why did you touch me? You killed innocent people. The means to an end. <laughs> you started a massacre. I caused the revolution. You betrayed the law. Yeah. I love you're using that as like the jingling keys. It is. It's, it's the jingle keys. Actually, I do have, we have the keys right here. Because... <laughs> come on. Stay with it. No, this is good. Oh, yes. The Dilla Havlin law. It's a California law which limits the length of personal services contracts to seven years from their commencement. Mm-hmm. This is a good law, especially in the record label world, because because the le- the label controls when albums come out under a multi-album deal, the label could keep an artist effectively trapped in that deal in perpetuity. Right. Yeah, we've talked about that. They could release an album, just put you on the shelf, and Man. never do anything again, and basically say, well, we signed you for five albums. You have one that didn't do so hot. We'll yeah. get to the second album eventually. Yeah, we don't want to let you out of the deal because God yeah. forbid you become successful and make us look bad. We're just going to keep you on the show. Yeah, state of California has decided in public policy interest that is bad. Seven year cap. Yes, and if that was the whole law, that would be great. That'd be very pro artist. But uh, the labels have in the past lobbied for a slight tweak to the law, which says that if a artist relies on the De Havilland law to get out of a contract after seven years. They are still liable for the value of any undelivered albums under that deal. Mm-hmm. And so that takes us to where we are with this case, where there's one album left on this Avenged Sevenfold deal. Avenged Sevenfold's already moved on. They've already put out another album with Capitol Records, I believe. Right, yes. So, they, yeah, they, they got out and they were able to continue on their That's career right. and stuff. But in January of 2016, as you can imagine, Warner Brothers, the former label, has sued Avenged Sevenfold saying, we want the value of that last album, which brings us to the question of this case, what is the value of an undelivered album? And no jury has ever ruled on that specific question because no case has ever made it that far. So there have been plenty of artists who have relied on the seven-year rule to get out of contracts early, but the cases have always settled because labels don't want a jury to tell to, to you know, kind of create a, a precedent right. 
on what that value is, because if that number is low, it can open the floodgates. And now all the artists will say, well, yeah, I'm going to terminate my deal after seven years, because if this is the going rate for what it is, according to juries, then yeah, let's do it. And so the labels have always settled and the artists often will use the seven year rule as kind of leverage to get a better deal. Cause like, give us a better deal or we're going to use the seven year rule. And, but there is no settlement. That's what makes this case interesting is that this, this case has been going on for about a year. There's no settlement. And there are experts who are predicting that this puppy might go to trial, ah. which means a jury is going to rule on what the value of an undelivered album is. And it's if be a bellwether case, it's exactly right. Cause if a jury comes back on this case and says, you know what? We don't think this value is that much because, you know, the music industry, the album part of the music industry is kind of dying. And you know what, Warner Brothers, you've been laying off a bunch of people lately and you're out and your label hasn't been doing so well as of late. So we don't think that you would have hit a home run with this event sevenfold record. So we're going to say the damages aren't that much. And now that kind of sends a message in later cases. This could embolden artists to use this law more which means that more artists could get out of bad record deals. That's legit exciting. Yeah. And it's interesting. We actually talked about this a little bit before the show, how when what we're sort of, when is an album an album, right? What What is the value of an Avenged Sevenfold album? Because we were thinking like, okay, wouldn't they just see the numbers of this new album release? The one that's coming out that's, with Capitol. That's what Warner would say. That, well, look, we the jury, it's quite easy to see what uh, the lost value is. Here's Here it is right here. Yeah. Here's the next album. That the songs they've written, the music they've made, probably would have been the exact same. The creativity yeah. in their head would have been the same whether or not they recorded in the Warner Brothers studio versus whether they recorded in the Capitol Records right. studio. An album's an album. and it, Yes, yeah. it, it is an Avenged Sevenfold album. Nothing different about it. But then, it's, I know we were talking how then they'll say, like, well... Avenged Sevenfold's going to come back. And, and uh, say, well, it's like Warner's not doing your jobs. I mean, the promotional arm hasn't done much. So maybe you're not tackling as many new people as you would, like the diehards and the hardcores will be there. You've got that number set, but what does the label bring in terms of potential for the non-fan, for the new fan, for someone who's never purchased an album in their life and due to Warner Brothers' efforts, will? That's right. And and, ex and that's exactly it, is, you know, Warner is going to say, we know how much the value is because it's going to be with this album. But the whole reason why Avenged Sevenfold got out of wanted to get out of this deal in 2015 is because they've been really disappointed with Warner's performance. The last two Avenged Sevenfold albums have been commercial disappointments, and they blame the label for that. And that's funny because then we all said, then we have the uh, the perverse arguments have to be made then by Warner's. No, that wasn't our fault. We're great. That was you guys. Your music has declined over the years. It's been subpar. Yeah. But yet, we need to convince the jury to say, no, you would have been really good. <laughs> this fifth one would have just brought it all back. Yeah, so it's like, you guys suck for the last two albums, but maybe you wouldn't have sucked as much for this one. It's a, it's, it is a very fascinating sort of uh, arguments that have to be made and sort of this tightrope that has to be walked. I mean, I don't envy the task that the jury would have in this, that case. How do you say what the value of an unreleased album is when the music industry is so speculative, when this band's performance is so speculative. Like, it, it wouldn't surprise me if the jury came back and said, you know what, you haven't proved any damage value because there's just no way you can prove it. And that would be the best case scenario for artists because, you know, now you're saying that the value of unreleased albums is effectively unprovable or zero. I mean, or, but I can then also see the the jury, which is just made up of regular everyday folks, yeah. maybe not sophisticated in the law, Basically saying, oh, yeah, but look, 
yeah, there's there's your new album with Capital. Oh, that's that's the value. I see it right there. Yeah, it's like the Billboard charts has it right there. I can actually pretty much I can see the the sound scan. Is that what is that what it is? Like the the numbers and everything. Yeah. You know, I can see that. And that seems quite obvious. There you go. Yeah. That that could obviously be scary for the artist, and if that's the ruling that comes down, where the jury just comes back and gives this, you know, blurred lines, Robin Thick copyright case kind of verdict of mm-hmm. millions of dollars, that's going to embolden the labels. Yeah, because now they they're like, yeah, go ahead, use the seven year rule on us, because you can see what juries will give us for undelivered albums. Yeah, that would be bad. Yeah, it's, like I said, the, the question is, when is an Avenged Sevenfold album an Avenged Sevenfold album, and when is it not? You know, even though it's made by the same band and same people, man, that's gonna be intrinsic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so weird because you have to get an intrinsic. Well, but we did so much better because we were released from this and we had clear thoughts and we could be good. Just that's like right. every, everyone at work knows, if you're stressed at work, your work suffers. But if you go to a new job, maybe it's really great. That's exa- yeah. We were you know we were free and it let, it let our creativity roam. And it'd be very interesting to go to the be in the gallery for this if it goes to trial. I would love very much to be able to watch this trial. So, artists. Pay attention to this case. See where this case goes. Because the verdict in this case could be one of the most important rulings by a jury since the Blurred Lines verdict, and perhaps even more important than that, because it has implications for all the artists right now who are under the yoke of a record deal. Exa- Dave. Under, I mean, yeah, under the yoke. You don't want to be under an oppressive oh, no. regime oh, no. that oh, no. is just sprawling its way through the galaxy and forming a sort of empire if you will you must be a rebellion against it rogue one ryan rogue one it's back star wars <laughs> i was this close to complimenting you saying man dave you were so great during that exchange you were insightful you didn't mention star wars once and then here we are rogue one yeah okay uh, we forgot to mention this but we have a fantastic guest coming up next rogue one no but just as good as Rogue One. <laughs> um, artist development consultant and vocal coach Carrie Cole is joining us. I adore her. She Her writing is fantastic. She is such a friend of the indie artist. She's going to give some vocal uh, tips on how to work well with your voice, but also just some great career advice. She's been in the game for a long time. She's a great interview. You're going to enjoy that in the next segment. Joke's on you, Carrie Fisher. You picked a guest. <laughs> different spelling, but same first name, Carrie. Carrie Cole's was differently than Carrie Fisher, but yeah. jokes on you. You knew this was happening subconsciously. You figured it out. You agree with me, Rogue One. We got to see this movie. But stay tuned to Carrie Cole right now. She's great. Coming up next on the Break the Business Podcast. Ryan here from the podcast. Shameless plug time. My new book, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, is now available in paperback and an ebook. The book talks about how you can be your own boss in your music career and take control of your content creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising. Get your copy on Amazon by searching Break the Business. It's a nice read for musicians and the people who love them. That's Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Thanks very much for your support. Welcome back to the Break the Business Podcast. She is an artist development consultant and vocal coach from New York City. Her organization, CCVM, a new music company, helps singers, songwriters, recording artists, musicians, and other music professionals build their brand and create successful careers. You can find out more about her work and check out her e-learning programs, audio classes, and consulting services by visiting Carrie Cole, that's C-A-R-I, Cole.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Carrie Cole 
is on the Break the Business podcast. Carrie, thanks so much for joining us. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Ryan. <laughs> it's uh, so good to have you here. I'm a big fan of all that you do, and I'm just thrilled that I can share your expertise with the listeners out there. This is going to be so great. Oh, thanks. So, so for a little bit of background for the listeners who don't know who you are, and if they don't, what's wrong with them, frankly? Uh, you <laughs> consult with artists, you help them build their brands, but you're also a phenomenal vocal coach, and that's a big part of what you do. So can you walk us through your career journey a bit? Give us the highlights of how you've been able to devote your career to artist development and vocal coaching. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I started as an artist myself and, you know, uh, fell upon the most incredible vocal coach and training and ended up, you know, being trained to teach and went to music school and all of those things and then started teaching for her company. And then when she disbanded that, I started my own studio um, a little over 30 years ago, actually now, which is, oh my God, time flies. And I started when I was 10. So, um, you know, it's, it's been an incredible journey, but along the way, I think what has kind of set me apart from my fellow vocal coaches is my interest in my obsession with becoming an artist myself and putting out a record uh, later in my, in when I was 40, actually, that went on to sell over 50,000 records now. And, you know, I had my own brush with uh, success as an artist and put out my uh, exceptional record, as I call it, uh, and really struck a chord out there. So it's a little bit more than uh, a vocal coach, but vocal coach is what I cut my teeth on and, and what I continue to specialize in as well. That's super inspiring. Kudos to you know finding that success so much later in your life in a music industry that just seems so predicated and based on you know the short shelf life and starting young. Um, it's it's great to see that you can have a smash like that, uh, you know, later on in your career. That's ter- ter- terrific. Congratulations. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, and and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is that I have artists talking to me all the time about voice coaching. And if you've ever heard me sing, I'm not the one you can go to for voice coaching, but uh, they the artists, uh, you know, ask me for advice on, you know, whether that's something they could use. And so I'm going to pose the question to you. In your view, is vocal coaching something that every artist should get and could benefit from, or are there some types of artists that would benefit from it more than others? You know, it's a good question. I mean, I think most of the people at the top um, of the industry um, do do work with a vocal coach. I think it's kind of a something that's not really talked about very much because it's sort of... Uh, who wants to admit they go to a coach or whatever. I mean, thank God people like Lady Gaga are very forward about it. I mean, for her Oscar performance in 2016, um, she worked with a coach every day for six months, and she knew she was already famous, of course, but she knew that that's what she needed. And the voice is an instrument inside your body, just like you take guitar lessons or piano lessons or you work your craft. The thing with the voice that's even more important is that it's more mysterious because the instrument is inside the body and so it's invisible its inner workings are invisible and a lot of mistakes are made and so a coach like myself you know who's very seasoned a veteran can get you there much much faster well in that vein what should artists look for in a vocal coach because i imagine there is a dis- you know you can make a distinction between people who sing and people who specifically know how to coach other singers. Uh, so how does a person who's interested in vocal coaching services distinguish a good vocal coach from one that would just be a waste of their time and money? 
It's a good question. I mean, you know, I, I recently took a famous singer. They, she did a master class, and I wanted to see what was going on. And it proves the point that, you know, you can be a great singer and not know how to teach. I mean, I think somebody who has longevity in the business, you know, like myself, I mean, I can turn a singer around in one session because I can understand, I can see very easily what they're doing wrong um, and how to fix it. And so I can get a, a successful response in that one session. But people that are really good singers but don't necessarily know. So in that session that you have, you know, go to several coaches and in that session that you have with each coach, you know, analyze, did, was I able to tangibly use something from that session? Uh, did my voice hurt after that session is a big no-no. Um, did I, were they just pushing me to sing louder? Did they explain what was going on? Did they talk about how training works and what the length, you know, what to expect along the way? Those kinds of things. It should be very tangible, not intangible. No. Um, and so... You, you sort of recommend kind of sampling vocal coaches a little bit, maybe doing a lesson with them and seeing. I do. Okay. I do. And when we do, when we do our first session, we give away our uh, warm-ups with our first session because we want that person to feel valuable. So it's, if I feel like they got something really valuable, they're going to get a lot of value out of the session, but they're also going to get my singer's gift warm-ups and a whole plethora of our vocal resource library. We give that away with our first session because we want people to really get the breadth of what we're about. So over the decades of helping artists of all stripes uh you know reach their full potential in singing i'm sure you have encountered a lot of common mistakes that you see many many singers make uh, what are some of those uh common uh errors that you see uh, even the best singers uh making i think you know i mean obviously as a coach i'm going to say a not going for training because <laughs> you know you go. <laughs> It's it's more common, of course, in the commercial industry, and you know you see singers like Adele who has a vocal problem and then and then goes to fix it. You don't want to be in that situation. It's going to be a difficult thing. So so not going for training. But I also see, um, you know, over singing, singing too loud on their warm ups, thinking that, or just not warming up at all, just warming up on a song. You know, this is not designed to actually warm your voice out, it actually wears your voice out. So I would recommend, you know, finding a good warm up program and sticking to it. Some of the other mistakes are glottaling. So a glottal is when you have a very hard strike of the chords, like, ah, like it's a heart attack rather than oh oh say oh oh say right right yeah. and, when you, and when you do that it bangs the edges of the folds together and you end up having vocal problems that's what causes a blister which causes a nodule that kind of thing so it's interesting you bring up adele and yeah uh certainly uh, most people are aware of the vocal problems that she encountered you know right at the height of her career so you're saying that, you know, you know, pardon my ignorance on this, but you're saying that what she encountered in terms of the uh, vocal problems she had, that was a product of uh, poor technique or, or bad, you know, not getting the training that she could have needed? Yes, it was that. It was also she was smoking, so she experienced a hemorrhage. Um, not a nodule, and which was a bursting of blood vessels, which comes from very, very dry cords and incorrect technique together. Oh. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about singing technique. And, and you talked about how in one session uh, you can help people uh, with their technique a lot. And, mm -hmm. and, and, I'm, and I'm, I feel sort of bad about this trying to get your advice for free. But I am curious and I imagine the listeners are, too. 
What are some things that uh, the singers out there who are listening can do today, perhaps even in their next singing session, that could give them noticeable results in their performances? Well, two, well, a couple things. Um, one, on a technique level, is to understand that singing is a balance between breath and muscle. And most singers push too much breath. They push, push air past their cords, and it causes their cords to constrict and choke up. And then they, they sing, feel like they're singing from their throat. So the most important thing to start with is if you put your hands on your rib cage and you kind of squeeze your ribs and you're up on your ribs, not your waist, and you take a breath in and try to feel those ribs expand as you're inhaling. A lot of vocal coaches only concentrate on the abdomen, but the abdomen is far away from where the diaphragm is. And if the rib cage doesn't expand out, there's 28 muscles that wrap around the ribs that are called the intercostals. And on most people, they're stuck. So if you just work to put some pressure on your ribs with your hands and slowly breathe into them and try to you know, stretch them let, like a rubber band, like when you inhale, they, they push out and just keep working on that, your diaphragm's gonna start, start dropping. So that's A. B is open your mouth more when you're singing on your vowels and you'll have more sound and breathe into your upper back for, mm. high, no for high notes in particular because uh, if you breathe into your upper back, it makes the palate lift, which makes more room uh, for those high notes to come out. Carrie, you're blowing my mind with this uh, breathing stuff. I mean, you're, you're going against... Uh you know, years of elementary and middle school choir on my part where the teacher's like, it's all abdomen. Like, you know, try to make your belly as big as possible when you breathe. I didn't hear any of this stuff about ribs and back. I, f I feel gypped. Most people don't. Most people, that's why you, that's why you come to somebody like me. Man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the belly's important, but if you're only breathing in the belly, the diaphragm sits inside the rib cage. It's not going to drop. And most people are locked in their ribs. I'm going to find my, uh, elementary school choir teacher you had me breathing wrong for the better part uh, of a decade that's that's not that's that's not healthy <laughs> i'll be kind i'm sure they didn't know <laughs> <laughs> all right so continuing on this idea of taking care of your voice what are some things that singers should be doing to take care of their voice in terms of maintenance when they're not singing any good home remedies uh, foods or drinks to avoid Oh, yeah, a ton. I mean, you stay away from carbonated because carbonated causes reflux. You want to stay away from, which burns the cords. You want to stay away from acidic, like orange juice, you know, get your vitamin C elsewhere. Um, you need to stay away from fried. I mean, when you're off the road and you're not, you know, performing and singing, you can be a little bit more leisurely with the things that, you know, if you go out and have some french fries or you have, you know, things that are going to cause a problem on tour, um, you know, you stay away from those kinds of foods for three weeks before you go on tour and you'll be fine and stay away from them on tour or very sparingly. But for instance, I had a singer who was losing her voice on every tour and we discovered that she used to reward herself at the end of her concert with french fries and a beer. Well, those are the two worst possible things because french fry, anything fried immediately causes reflux and reflux, the stomach acids wash up on the cords and burn away the little hairs that line the vocal folds. And then you're singing with really dry, irritated, it's like having chafed skin 
on your chords. They're then the and your break, you know, your your voice just can't function. Your break is more bumpy, your high notes go, and you lose your voice on tour. Well, we just made that one correction and she doesn't have any problem on tour. So, you know, and I, I saw Adele recently um, here at Madison Square Garden on the sixth night of six nights in a row on the last night and she was she evidently was very hip to that and she said you know I'm really looking forward to my glass of of wine tonight which I haven't had all week so she knows the difference between what's going to make her voice function the best and what's not and of course water water is probably uh water and watery foods uh, salads, uh, fresh fruits and vegetables have a lot of water in them, a lot of water content. And the singer needs to be really hydrated. And I worked with an ENT here in New York who said the majority, he said probably 80% of my clients, if they were hydrated, they wouldn't, I would lose 80% of my clients. That's how much hydration has to do with affecting the voice and the functionality of it. You're taking a lot of the fun and excitement and sex drugs and rock and roll out of being a musician it's like oh man great show i totally crushed it get the salad <laughs> and aquafina we're celebrating tonight well after is okay <laughs> but before definitely not See, now i'm more convinced than ever that i could never make it as a singer i mean i i'll celebrate anything with french fries and beer whoever that exactly. singer whoever that singer friend of yours was like i kind of want to party with her exactly and she did a lot of partying when she got home but when she when she got back but the moment of hey you know you want to know what's going to make it work and what's going to ruin it you know i love it no and and you know it's your it's your instrument it's it's your That's right it's it's the cash register like you like it's you gotta take good care of it yeah it's the star of the show i That's mean right. you can't you can't hide you know in a in a guitar solo or a back you know you can't hide as a singer all right i feel like i've gotten uh quite enough out of you in terms of free voice <laughs> lessons uh and if you're interested in this kind of stuff by the way folks uh, go to visit carrie cole c-a-r-i-c-o-l-e.com and uh, you can check out her amazing products and services which we'll talk about in a bit but first i wanted to uh get you to give us some more thought on the uh, blog article you wrote recently you have written about the importance of avoiding developing a sense of victimhood as an artist, as you call it, that uh, it's important for artists to avoid waiting for managers or labels to rescue you, so to speak, when trying to find career opportunities for yourself, which is music to my ears and the ears of the people who love this podcast. So uh, can you elaborate on that, uh, uh, avoiding the victimhood and waiting for others to rescue you as a performer? Absolutely, and I love your work in the world and what you're about because it really is true. You know, it's it's, it's like the problem is is that the industry has kind of set up that situation. You know, that you need to be discovered, uh, and and artists are still responding to that. And what happens is they end up sitting and waiting, mm -hmm. and they're not actively pursuing their career. They're kind of waiting for those key figures to come along. And the truth is, when you're not waiting, you're in motion. You're moving towards your career rather than sitting and waiting for it to happen. So you might like this. Uh, the guy who wrote the foreword for my book, a guy named Bill Bolden, uh, a.k.a. DJ Spruik, uh, you know, super cool DJ, uh, you know, indie artist with just a ridiculous amount of Twitter followers. I don't know how he does it. And uh, he refers to it as, in the foreword of my book, as the princess fantasy. Yeah. Sitting in the tower waiting for somebody to ride in on their steed, climb the tower and rescue you. And in this music industry, you can't do that. If you're not moving, you're dead. You have to take advantage of opportunities and find those opportunities yourself. That's right. That's yeah. right. 
Yeah, for sure. And thankfully, you have a lot of tools on your platforms to help artists do just that. Uh, can you tell the folks a bit about the products and services you offer on your site? Absolutely. We, we have a three-step system. So we, we think it starts with the artist development piece. We think it moves into A&R, which is the you know, development of your record, the choice of your material, but the really development of you as an artist, like so that your material is really matching who you are, which the industry will pull you off course every single time. <laughs> that, uh, you know, don't listen. You know, you don't want to fit in. You want to stand out. And so we, we help artists really create their signature and do that in a way that's kind of uh, progressive and and more intense than maybe other people because we're deep into it and we know that if you're being yourself you have a shot and if you're not you don't and then the third step is the marketing um, piece and the branding piece but really carving your path in the industry not every path is the same nor should it be you know hence why I reached success when I was 40 um, the industry is very different today and so you you don't want to just be aiming for the typical you know 20 year old or early 30 year old pop market yeah finding success on your own terms see you 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 exactly. know that like I feel like you've listened to every episode of this podcast. Like you, 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 you are all about the message we're doing. I love it. Oh, that's um, cool. And for the listeners out there who want to keep the conversation going with you, where can they find you on social media? Well, it's Carrie Cole. It's very simple. C A R I C O L E. You know, on Twitter, on Instagram, we're Carrie Cole Voice and Music Company on Facebook. Uh, but you can find us on our website. Find all our socials on our website, and we have a free offer. We give away our Vocal Road Warrior, which is my three-part audio series on keeping your voice healthy. And there's some real nuggets in there, stuff that people don't really know about, uh, including a lot about diet and the right products that that can save you in a pinch and things like that. She's a tremendous follow, listeners. She uh, she's writing a lot of great stuff, a lot of great advice on her social media platforms. You'd want you trust me, you want to check that out. Before well, we you. let you go, Carrie, uh, do you have any last words of advice that you want to share with the indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward? Absolutely. You know, I think unfortunately the whole uh, idea of DIY or independent has kind of given the wrong notion out there. And while it's really helped the industry, particularly at a transitory time. Uh, when things are really shifting around, given independence a, a platform and a place to actually, you know, preach from their pulpit. I think the problem is that I see a lot of independent artists only working on that independent lane. And what I teach artists to do and coach them to do and help them to do is to work alongside the industry and teach them how to work with their PROs and publishers and who are the people in the industries that aren't the blingy labels that are really there to help artists grow their careers. So I'll always be running neck and neck with the industry, whether it's getting in a songwriting showcase and, you know, starting to circulate, starting to be a part of the industry. There's women in music. There's, I don't think there's a men in music yet, but there's men in women in music actually. <laughs> but that's a great organization for 50 bucks a year and really super full of, of high level professionals, but get yourself involved. Get yourself involved. Um, don't isolate. You know, artists tend to isolate, and it's perfectly normal because you have to to make your craft happen. But be careful of that. Make sure that you're you're as hard as you're working on your socials and on your brand and presence out there and your business. Don't do it all alone. Well, thanks very much for helping to bust that very pervasive myth that people have about indie Absolutely. artists. Just because you're independent does not mean you're alone. You got to find the tools out there. You got to network with the right people and, uh, you know, 
find the folks out there who can help you move your career forward. And uh, Carrie Cole is certainly one of them. Uh, Carrie, thank you so much for being on the show. We'd love to have you on again real soon. Please don't be a stranger. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Ryan. You got it. We'll be right back on the Break the Business podcast. Friend of the show, John Ratzenberger here with Ryan Carella, author of Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry, available on Amazon.com. Ryan, tell the folks a little about the book. Well, the book's about empowering Well, artists. that's fascinating, Ryan, but it's only a 15-second commercial. Thanks. And we're back with Rogue One Podcast. I think I want to start calling this that, the Rogue One Podcast. The Rogue One Cast. It's Rogue Fun! Was that good for you? Very. Our thanks to Carrie Cole for joining us in the previous segment. She's tremendous. I adore her. You can find out more about her vocal and career consulting services and learning programs by visiting Carrie Cole. That's C-A-R-I-C-O-L-E dot com. And I'm pretty sure what I just said is the last thing I'm going to be able to say for the rest of this segment because you're going to take everything away. Rather suspicious you didn't talk about Star Wars during that whole interview. <laughs> I assume. Yeah. How selfish of me to want to talk about Carrie's career and the services she offers indie artists and, you know, giving tips for the indie artist listeners on this show who may or may not actually like Star Wars. Okay, all right. Well, if they don't like Star Wars, whatever. Ryan, um, do you want to play a game? Yes, I do. Okay. Now it's time for Dave's as-yet-untitled game show here on the Break the Business podcast. Here's Dave. Thanks, Dave. How's played, it going, Dave? We haven't played this one in a while. You stepped on the whole thing there. Let me do it again? No, but I just want you to know that you did that, and you need to punish yourself and make yourself better. <laughs> My apologies. Yeah. If Ryan, only I you... could achieve things much as the Rebels did in that movie you saw. Well, but you don't even know. I assume they won. I'm just going to go out on a limb. Well, you got to watch it to find out. And multiple times, preferably. Go on. Give Disney your money. Give Disney your money. I did give Disney my money on Friday. Moena doesn't count. That's a separate like a bank account. It doesn't count. Fair enough. I need the Lucasfilm division of Disney to get your money. In fact, I may just funnel your accounts and garnish wages or something. I don't know. <laughs> I'll figure out a legal fiction whereby you owe child support to Disney. So I know that you're not willing to talk about anything that isn't Star Wars, but can you explain to people the rules of how this works? Sure. I may need to explain it to you and me as well, because it's been forever. Yeah, it's true. It's been months since we played this So we're game. doing this before and after game show, where I'm going to give you a clue, and the the two words, phrases, whatever it is I'm going to be do, giving you here, has a sort of connecting sound in the middle. So if I said, this San Francisco cop turns to the help of a boy wizard to fight crime in San Francisco, it would be Dirty Harry Potter. I, I always use that reference, and now I, every time I say it, I realize it sounds worse every time. But <laughs> that, that, I think that was a good explanation. I think people get it. Yes. Good stuff. Okay. So and, we, we oh, did this. Oh, I should mention that when we get it right. Um, oh, you know, when, or if you know, and when you get it right, more you know, likely we're going to have like, you know, some applause there. No, it's, it's the kazoo. It's not an applause. I don't have the kazoo. You didn't put the kazoo back on? Do you want me to, do you want me to queue up the kazoo right now? Put the kazoo All right, or whatever on. it is. You know, just talk about Star Wars for like eight seconds while I pull the kazoo up. 
So here was the thing. I really was legitimately worried about Gareth Edwards directing Rogue One because, like we said before, he directed Godzilla. Right? Actually, so here's the thing. This guy's actually had a very fast trend upwards. Almost got he it. He started with the movie Monsters, right? This sort of like a little indie film about, well, monsters. It's on Netflix, actually. Five and, more seconds. And he did Godzilla, but we you know, we all kind of complained about Godzilla because it, the trailer show Godzilla and Brian Cranston is the main protagonist, and they're in it for literally 15 minutes. All right, got and it. And he did a lot of, okay, now moving on. Um, okay, so if I get it if I get it right, I get the kazoo sound. Yes. If I get it wrong, I get David saying this. Wrong. Yes. You've right. you've heard that a lot in your life. You hear it in your nightmares. I, I really do. Yes. Ryan. Yep. So if you remember, actually, when we uh, did this, uh, Star Wars came out last year. We kind of had some uh, Star Wars themed games. That's oh, is that what we're doing? Shocker. Ryan, this former senator of Alderaan and adoptive father to Leia doesn't spend a lot of time on this, the crime ridden homeworld of the Huts. Oh, God. This is like deep-cut Star Wars. Let me get it again as if it will matter at all. This former senator of Alderaan, an adoptive father to Lair, doesn't spend a lot of time on this, the crime-ridden homeworld of the Huts. The crime-ridden homeworld of the Huts. Oh, by the way, the listeners should know that the point of this game is for you not to win, but to make all the clues so impossible that I just don't get any of them uh, right. And then you delight me, me getting things wrong. Excuse me, sir. If you knew your Star Wars, this would be extremely simple. You've got a niece that probably knows this right now anyway. Okay. Leia's adoptive father. I'm pretty sure that person's name would be Organa. And that's literally all I know of this. So I'm, I got this one wrong. Well, that's his last name. So it wouldn't have even been enough. Ryan, that's Bail Organal Hutta. Because <laughs> Organa and the Hutt's homeworld is Nal Hutta. Wrong. That's right. Oh, good start. All right. Here's one that you'll probably get. Maybe. We'll see. I'm, I'm not confident. I'm not confident. The rebel base is located on the fourth moon of this planet, which is known for moving fast and furious. The rebel base is no, is on the fourth moon of this planet, which is known for being fast and furious. Yes. The only moon I can think of in Star Wars is Endor, but my very limited Star Wars knowledge suggests me that that wasn't the rebel base. That was like where the the shield generator was. And wow, I'm actually pretty impressed that I knew that um, for the second death star and crap um okay so there was another moon and then fast and fear i got i don't i don't i don't i'm wrong i'm wrong yavin diesel wrong yavin vin diesel there's one you know if you created a venn diagram Yes. Of indie artists who listen to this podcast who are also star wars fans Uh it's a very thin sliver of commonality and that that one listener who fits both those descriptions is enjoying the crap out of this everybody else is just angry moving on this old and tiny proprietor of a cantina studied optometry in her spare time and wait what (laughs) (laughs) i I realize i may have uh, written this one too fast and didn't write a good complete sentence yeah and that's gonna be the reason why i don't get it right and not oh, because oh, these I, questions I are it. terrible. I get it. I get it. My, my finger slipped and I wrote and instead of on. There, it's okay, folks. We got it. We got it. We got it. This old and tiny proprietor of a cantina studied optometry in her spare time on this planet. That if there was a bright center of the universe, you're on the planet that's farthest from it. 
I don't know the name of the proprietor of the cantina, so I'm Maz Kanatat Tatooine. Maz Kanat Tatooine. Maz Kanata from Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens. She can tell. She can look in people's eyes and tell things about them. And Tatooine. Oh, that which, that lady. Yes. Oh. Which Luke said, if you're when C-3PO, what planet is this? Well, if there's a bright center of the universe in the galaxy, you're on the planet that's farthest from. Right? This is very simple, basic Star yeah. Wars trivia. Had I only watched episode seven three thousand times like you have. Wrong. I right. would have gotten that one right. This member of the Jedi Council was killed by the Emperor and clearly did not follow one of Yoda's most important lessons. One more time, because that'll help me get it. This member of the Jedi Council was killed by the Emperor and clearly did not follow one of Yoda's most important lessons. And uh, all of you folks out there, you're thinking, oh, excuse me, didn't the Emperor kill all of them really by executing Order 66? I'm talking about personally killed, okay? There, that's a hint for Ryan. He personally killed this member of the Jedi Council. Go. Don't make your forehead any redder. I hurt my head again. Um, I don't know. I don't know the names of any of the people on the Council. Like, is the Yoda advice that, like, the do or do not there is no try so oh wait oh wait 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 it's fun when you see the little ones have realizations about life wait a minute i might have actually put this together i don't actually remember this person getting killed but it makes sense structurally so is it is it mace win do or do not there is no try yes yes Oh my god, I pulled that out of my butt! That was amazing! Thank you for enunciating butt so I mean, much. just just right out the butt. All that right. was awesome. All right. I'm so happy. I'm going to get all the... Re- I'm sure there's like 55 more of these, and I'm going to get them all wrong, but I feel good about getting that one right. Well, you're, you you're, can never take that away from me. Your rectal-based Star Wars trivia is, is amazing. Out the butt. Yep. Ryan, this apprentice of Darth Sidious tried to wield his dual lightsaber while helping Brody get back his girlfriend from that douchebag that works at Fashionable Mail. One more time. (laughs) This apprentice of Darth Sidious tried to wield his dual lightsaber while helping Brody get back his girlfriend from that douchebag that works at Fashionable Mail. So you know what sucks? What? Is I know the first half of this. Because that's Darth Maul. Oh, wow. Because you said dual lightsaber. And I remember that from whichever of the movies that he was in. Phantom Menace? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that one. But fashionable male Brody? It's actually kind of easy. I mean, what movie was there? This is going to try. I should know this, but like, what was... Reach around your butt again. (laughs) It's in the butt somewhere. (laughs) Pull it out. Um, We talked about butts a lot in this segment. So Brody, is that is that Point Break? Like, suppose they're Brody. Crap, I don't know. That well, sucks. Well, Point Break is Bodie. Come on, bro. Oh. That's Pat, don't disrespect Patrick Swayze. That new Bodie, not all Brody. right. That's All that's, right, that's that's horrible enough. But also, you're wrong because oh, there we go. Thank you. Wrong. Darth Mallrats. Oh, Mallrats had the Brody. Yeah. Fashionable male. Yes. Yeah. I remember Shane and Doherty was coming yes. out with Ben Affleck there. Yes. Yeah. That movie had eating poop in it. Covered pretzels. Yeah, true story. That when, movie. That movie. That, that was kind of a gross scene. Like that. That really took that took me out of that movie. True story. When someone at work offered one of my other coworkers chocolate covered pretzels, I was like, "What?" <laughs> and then I saw it was a bag of like sealed chocolate covered pretzels. I'm like, "Oh, oh God, okay." I really thought something horrible was about to happen, and I'm like, 
this is I should stop this. <laughs> anyway, yep. For all you mall rats fans out there. Ryan, this reprogrammed and honest Imperial droid may or may not get along with this Jedi in his exile. Hint, you really should have watched Rogue One. Wait. Okay, see Here's what you did that sucks. What? Okay, let me hear it again. This reprogrammed and honest Imperial droid may or may not get along with this Jedi in his exile. Okay, so, I mean, Jedi and ex... I mean, I can't believe how much of this Star Wars I'm actually getting, because I'm not a Star Wars, like, big Star Wars fan. I'm a casual fan. I know, that's why I hate you. But the Jedi and... (laughs) The Jedi in exile is going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi. Maybe. And so now I need a droid that ends in the letter O. I mean, Yoda was also in exile on Dagobah. Yeah, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. And the problem is that there's like 500 droids in the Star Wars universe that end with O. And 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 and, and you and you just referenced that it was Rogue One. So we're not talking about C3PO here. We're talking about whatever the stupid name of the droid was that also ended in O in Rogue One, and I don't remember what the sequence of letters and numbers were in that name. It's like it was like K290 or some Crap like that. I'm gonna need a final answer. It's K two three O. Wrong, Ryan. Wrong. Wrong. Ugh, so close yet so far. K two S O B one Kenobi. Oh, I didn't. Even, I, I forgot. I completely forgot to say Obi one Kenobi. That yeah, was, uh, if only you saw Rogue One. Maybe I guess it's hard to find a theater that has it in the show times for it. Ryan, huh? That's fair. I guess that's yeah, probably the reason. Just, yes, yeah. Ryan. It's kind of in limited release right now. Ryan, last one. Oh, thank God. This Jedi Master stresses the importance of knowing your surroundings and staying in the present to this strong young woman who tries to steal the Death Star plans. This is from Rogue One, so I don't know, so I hate you. Not as much as I hate you, but go ahead. Why can't any of these questions involve Moana? I'd be crushing it. That's, you know what, Ryan? That's Moana not going to happen. <laughs> I was trying to think of something like that in my head. You beat me to it. You you have the sharper mind when it comes to humor. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know because I haven't seen this movie that you've seen 350 times. Ryan, knowing and your surroundings and staying in the present, Kwai, Gon, Jin, Urso. Wrong. All right. Good you stuff. should have seen Rogue One, Ryan. You yeah, should you, have seen Rogue One. You haven't told me that at all this show. Right. But you know, you know who has seen Rogue One? Ooh. I got a buddy. And he's 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 I gotta I I gotta wake him up. He's on the couch. Can it can it Dave, dude, get up. Hey. Oh hey guys, how's it going, eh? Ryan, I, I was I was kinda sleeping on the couch there. I guess you didn't notice. Because you've been throwing laundry on me lately, the past two weeks, buddy. Oh, sorry about that. It's been, it's, yeah, you know, I mean, I realize I'm just sort of squatting here, so maybe not paying any rent. Maybe I should probably just be okay with you throwing the laundry on me. The dirty laundry and the wet towels. Anyway, buddy. It's good to see you, Canada Dave. Ah, buddy, it's so good to see you, too. Our friend from the north. Yep. And, buddy, I'm kind of disappointed and a little sad, eh, that you haven't seen uh, Rogue One. Oh. Uh, oh, Ryan, I'm I'm sorry to bring this up to you, buddy. I I really am. I'm I'm really am really sorry. But Ryan, even the wolves have seen Rogue One. Oh well, I mean everybody has, so it makes sense. Yeah. So Ryan, I know when you when I come here, you expect some levity, right, buddy? You expect to have some fun with your good pal Kennedy. You always make me feel good when you're here. All the other Dave characters make me feel like crap and are mean to me, but you've always been very nice. 
That's good. I, that that uh, that it warms my very cold Canadian heart. Not cold like in an emotional way, but just like temperature wise. Well, it's freezing, yeah. Like Celsius. Sure. It's it's just, buddy. It's not good. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. It's like eighty five degrees here in Florida and Miami, which is which has been pretty good. I gotta say. All right. Yeah. If only the Panthers hockey was any sort of good too. Oh, well, you know they're trying their but best. But yeah, the the front office, buddy. Oh God, it's not good. Yeah, it's, it's not spending good. spending a lot of money, not making it work. Yeah, the, so they they got to be crushed on couches instead of like you know in <laughs> in the front owner's office there, buddy. <laughs> Crashing on couches. Yeah. So Ryan, I've got some Canadian towns here. No. Or, buddy, what? You wouldn't even let me say the name of the game. Sorry, go ahead. Ryan, it's time to play Canadian Town or Star Wars Planet. Oh, of course. I feel like this could be easy. Because, I mean, Canadian Towns don't sound anything like Star Wars Planets. I feel like I got this one. This, okay. This is going to work out well for All me. Right, All right, buddy. Let's, All let, right. let's see what we got here. Okay. All right. I'm uh, feeling good about okay. this. Kenora. Oh, crap. This is harder than I thought. Kenora. Uh, I'm going to say that's a Canada Town. Final answer? Yes. Okay, buddy. That's in Ontario. Yeah. Good job, buddy. Good on you. Yeah, there wasn't nearly enough apostrophes in that for it to be a Star Wars planet. Okay, buddy. Athabasca. Oh, you. Oh, you. One more time with that. Athabasca. Does it have any apostrophes in it? I don't know. I kind of just pulled it off. and I'm not sure how people pronounce these things. I'm just You're a simple from Canada. Canada. <laughs> I'm not, buddy. There are multiple provinces, okay? And I know we've never really discussed which one I'm from or the town. <laughs> Can you have to think of it? I may have been adopted, so I don't know. I just also that that's that's going to make things life a little more adventurous for Canada going on in the future. If there's any like sort of cholesterol heart issues, but that we'll cross that bridge when we get there, buddy. Sure. The wolves may eat me before that anyway. Sure, but the jokes on them with the high liver contents and all that stuff. <laughs> anyway, buddy, Athabasca. You got an answer? Uh, Canada Town. Oh, boy, buddy, that's in Alberta. Woo! Okay. Woo! All right. All right, buddy. See, I, I can do this because it doesn't require actually having seen Rogue One as the last segment did. Okay, buddy, Scarif. Scarif? Yeah. It, doesn't, it, just, it just does not sound Star Wars-y enough. I'm going to say that's a Canada town. Okay, buddy, I should have seen Rogue One. That's a Star <laughs> Wars planet. <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> Oh, of course it is. And okay. I'm sure all the people who listening who who see saw Rogue One are like, no, dude, come on. Yeah. That's quite obvious. Ryan, the pass. The pass? Yes. Like T H E space P A S S? Well, P A S. So it could be the pause. I don't know where the pass. Once again, Kenna Dave is not really res- responsible for any uh galactic planetary uh <laughs> So P- assembly or Canadians assemblies. P-A-S, like that, I mean, that kind of spelling, that sounds very Star Wars-y. I'm going to say that's a Star Wars planet. Okay, buddy, that's wrong. That's in Alberta. Oh, crap. By the way, I just realized I'm not, I'm not keeping track of anything here because uh, I, I usually don't. It's two to two. Well, we can't take your word for it, buddy, because you're yes. a lawyer. <laughs> Notorious liars lawyers are. You can't trust them. That's true. You cannot trust lawyers. Nope. You can't trust them. Uh, the lawyer across the table. Yep. They uh, they re- trusting her, him less and less. They 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 try to screw you. They try to make you look like an idiot and a fool and uh, give yep. you bad information and make make you look bad on your law podcast. Oh yeah, yeah buddy. You, those you, lawyers. You can't trust them, Brian. You can't trust them, and you don't want them crashing on your couch. You don't <laughs> want them crashing on your couch. <laughs> Ryan. Yeah. Zoar. Zoar. 
Yeah. That's ridiculous. That has to be a Star Wars planet. Right. That's a Newfoundland and oh, Labrador. crap. This game is so hard. Okay, buddy. I was doing so well. Okay. Must, I'm sorry. No, but, 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 wrong one here. Mandalore. Mandalore? Mandalore. Mandalore. Boy, you really picked some tricky ones. I'm going to say that is a Canada town. Right, that's a planet in Star Wars. Maybe you've heard, you've, heard, you've heard of the Mandalorian bounty hunter, Boba Fett. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. I didn't know he was from Mandalore. Yeah, okay, buddy. Concord Dawn. Concord Dawn. Yep. That has to be a Canada town. Okay, buddy, it's actually kind of a trick question because it's the moon of Mandalore. So it would have been a Star Wars universe thing, but it's not really a planet. It's actually a moon orbiting the planet. Because you don't say the moon around the Earth, buddy, is a planet. You know, I'm very sorry about that. But, you know, that's not what this game's about. It's about the moons. About it's, it's a boot, <laughs> planets. Next time a Star Wars movie comes out, I'm just going to take that show off and just let you run the show yourself. And you can talk about Star Wars all you want. And there won't be any pesky music discussion. Quick character break. I love that idea. Okay, I'm back. Canada Dave's back. <laughs> Hi, Canada Dave. Hey, buddy. How's it going, eh? Um, sadder than I've ever been. Uh, I'm sure something horrible will happen in the future, buddy. That it will take the sting off it. Probably about a year from now when the next Star Wars movie comes out. Oh, buddy. We should see that together. And maybe that will then be an end to all of your problems, you know? <laughs> no, that was just encourage you to talk more Star Wars during this show. Okay, buddy. Mustafar. Mustafar? Mustafar. I feel like this is a trick. Like, you're going to say, like, you you know, most of our questions you're getting wrong. Like, I feel like that's what you're going to do on this one. Like, and I feel like I'm going to head off your joke at the pass. Um, but just on the off chance that you're not just trying to screw with me, I'm going to say Mustafar <laughs> is a... <laughs> that's a that's a Star Wars planet. How are you pronouncing, how are you pronouncing this, buddy? Mustafar? Mustafar, M-U-S. Oh, T-A-F-A-R. There's no, there's no Mustafar or anything. Must Mustafar. Yeah. Do you want to change your answer in any way? No, I still think it's a Star Wars planet, and I hate you. Okay, right. That is a Star Wars planet. Yeah. If you remember, that's where sort of like Darth Vader uh, became Darth Vader. All uh, right. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how many? Wait. What have I done here? Because I've gone out of order. Oh. Okay. Here we go, Ryan. Here's an easy one. An easy one for you, buddy. All right. Rodia. Rodia? Rodia. Why is that easy? Why is that easier or more difficult than any of the others? Okay, that is I know equal for a, difficulty. I know for a fact All you got of these a I've been flipping a damn coin. A Star Wars coin? Rodia? Rodia. I'm going to say that's a, that, that's a Canada town. That's a Star Wars planet, buddy. You know the Rodians, like Greedo? Who, who, Han shot first, by the way, buddy. Okay, remember that. Han shot first. He, he killed Greedo. He oh. killed him good. Okay, buddy. Tantive 4. Oh, it's got four in it. It has to be a Star Wars planet. Okay, that's a trick question, buddy. That's the name of the rebel blockade runner that uh, Princess Leia was on in the beginning of A New Hope. So what was the correct answer to that? Or was there just none? The fact that you had to know it was a ship and not a planet or a town. Go to (laughs) Can't be mean to Canada. (laughs) I I think there's a hell in Canada, actually. Anyway. Ryan, okay, do you want to, like, wrap this up? I, I feel, feel like, like I'm in Canadian hell. <laughs> okay, buddy, let's do this. Um, how about this, buddy? All right, I've got three for you here. Madrigal, Taishan, and B-U-T-B-2. 
What do you think those B-U-T-B. are? B-U-T-B. B-U, I'm sorry, B-U-2-B-2. B-U-2-B-2, Taishan, and Madrigal. And let me give you a hint. They're all the same answer. Uh, I'm going to say that they are all Star Wars planets. Ryan, those are all Rush songs. (laughs) 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 So... There we go. That was a rather entertaining round of Canada Towns or Star Wars Planet in, in really fine print, or maybe even Rush songs. <laughs> Which was, you know. Only the most passionate Break the Business podcast fans who listened to that one episode where you did Rush Song or Hoser Talk yeah. are going to think that that joke you just did was funny. Everybody else is going to be confused as to why I'm laughing so hard. Yeah, but buddy... So here's the thing, Matt. You don't want to be a hoser that hasn't seen Rogue One. Dave has already seen it three times and out of three available days. Well, actually, right now, the, the, the sun has risen a fourth day on Rogue One. So we got to see if we're going to see that right now. But uh, anyway, buddy, it's been good seeing it. I'm just going to go back to now my little spot underneath the laundry pile on the couch. All right. Good, good, good All right, seeing I'll you, see you later, buddy. see you soon, pal. Okay. Wow. So you got some right there. <laughs> Definitely not on the uh, As Yet Untitled Game Show. Uh, what's our time? Are we good on time? Oh, uh, we we're, I mean, who cares? Oh, okay. <laughs> it's been a good show. I think, I think, is there anything else you wanted to make me feel bad about? We got maybe a couple more minutes. Um, <laughs> Rogue One was really, really great. So many trailers in the IMAX 3D one, like way more than usual. Usually it's 15 minutes of trailers. There was like eight trailers. Wow. Star, uh, uh, Sp- Spider-Man: Homecoming, uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, uh, freaking Pirates of the Caribbean, The Fate of the Furious, um, Boss Baby, that Alec Baldwin baby movie. What? The, it's from DreamWorks. He plays. He's a voice of a baby, but it's Alec Baldwin. And he's a boss. Yes. And, and he, somebody greenlit that. Well, no, no, no. He's on a secret mission to sort of get rid of puppies because there's only so much love that can go around to babies and puppies are babies mortal enemy apparently it's, it's is long... this animated yes okay well i didn't know if it was gonna be like a look who's talking scenario no 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 they <laughs> no bruce willis wasn't available for that um <laughs> no uh what, what else was another one on there i don't know it's just like there's so many trailers oh guardians of the galaxy volume two that looks cool which is also really good um yeah, a lot of that stuff. But, dude, Rogue One is so good. It's so good, and I want to talk to people about it. I'll see it soon. And it's re- really good because, you. I mean, it's... You, you, yeah, okay. You, you know what it is and how it ends because the movie is taken from the first paragraph of A New Hope. Correct. You know, striking from a hidden rental base, the, the rebels have scored their first major victory against the evil Galactic Empire and stolen the plans of a superweapon called the Death Star and all that. It's like, yeah, we know that. Okay. Okay. But the nice thing is it just like it just sets it up so nicely. And like I said, night dark tone. Um <laughs> it's amazing how this movie is almost not I mean, I don't I'm not gonna scare people away, but I mean it's amazing how when you're in a costume like a stormtrooper, like people don't think there's a person in there that's dead. <laughs> Okay, Deadpool was definitely rated R. I mean, I'm not saying there's like blood and everything here, but it's like same principles, body count, you know. Sure. And it's just like, oh yeah, of course, PG-13. <laughs> but uh, no, this is really great, uh, really worthy entry in the saga. 
it just shows that there's so much stories that can be told one off in the Star Wars universe. That's what I love about this. So I am glad that we're going to have new Star Wars every single year. If the time comes one day, years down the road, where I'm tired of it, I'll, I'll get there on that day. As of right now, give it to me every single year. You got me, man. Oh, I just love those movies so much. You've got to see Rogue One. If you don't see Rogue One before next week, and I think we're going to be off because Sunday is actually Christmas Day. Oh, yeah, it's a good point. I am going to start spoiling things for you. Oh, God. Not you, the audience. Don't worry. But just just for me? You, just for you. That's such a jerk thing to do. That's We discussed this last time, last year, and you know you had the appropriate remedies, and you saw it enough, but you know, well, you only saw it once time. That's correct. Yeah, I don't like that. I've, I only see movies once, like normal people. You can see it more than once. I think I'm going to see La La Land today, maybe. Who knows? That looks good, too. Yeah. Our thanks to Carrie Cole for joining us in the previous yep. segment. My thanks to you for being completely useless today. My thanks to George Lucas. My thanks to Gareth Edwards, J.J. Abrams, Walt Disney, Bob Iger, um, <laughs> Michael Eisner. What the hell? Let's... Well, yeah, he, you know, I'm sure he started the process. Mickey hey. Mouse. Did the shareholders like him at the end or no? Probably not. Probably not. Anyway, thank you, Rogue One. Thank you, Ryan One. Thank you, Ro- Oh, R. I should just call you Rogue One. On that note, bye-bye. Bye-bye.